I think you got to reach for the both and the, the grief people are experiencing, the suffering. I think you can tell the truth about that and about how much fear we're living in and say, I have really loved sitting down and eating all my meals with my daughter and my boyfriend. You know, like there's been a way that this slowing down has made me cherish things. Just like we can be simultaneously sinner and saint, this can be simultaneously horrible and devastating and beautiful and unexpectedly joyful. It's easy to talk about the successes, but what doesn't get talked about enough is the struggle. My name is Eric Weinmayer. I've gotten the chance to ascend Mount Everest, to climb the tallest mountain in every continent, to kayak the Grand Canyon, and I happen to be blind. It's been a struggle to live what I call a no-barriers life, to define it, to push the parameters of what it means. And part of the equation is diving into the learning process and trying to illuminate the universal elements that exist along the way. And that unexplored terrain between those dark places we find ourselves in and the summit exists a map. That map, that way forward, is what we call no barriers. Today we meet Nadia Boltz Weber, who's an ordained Lutheran pastor, founder of House for All Sinners and Saints in Denver, Colorado, the creator and host of the podcast, The Confessional, and the author of three New York Times bestselling memoirs, including her most recent, Shameless, A Sexual Reformation. Nadia writes and speaks about personal failings, recovery, grace, faith, and really whatever the hell else she wants to. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to our weekly No Barriers podcast series, where we continue to explore this extraordinary moment in our lives while remaining true to the theme we've always emphasized here, which is the idea that what's within you is stronger than what's in your way. Special thanks to Prudential and Wells Fargo for their generous support of this podcast series. Well, Nadia, we're coming up on our 50th episode here, and we wanted to bring you back because first and foremost, we believe you'll offer some really great insight into this unique moment in our lives. And in addition, our uh, previous conversation with you, which for our listeners who haven't heard it, it's episode 16, check it out. It was our most downloaded ever. So Nadia, welcome back to the show. Oh, I'm so glad to be back with you guys. If I remember correctly, the last time I was on, it was right after a blizzard. And I had to drive through much snow to get to you. <laughs> yeah, so I had a barrier just to get to you guys, uh, but I was stronger <laughs> and I <laughs> I managed to get there. And the barrier now is that it's 8.30 in the morning and I managed to also get here. So I think your theory about what's in us is stronger than what's in our way is, <laughs> has proved true that I've been here twice now. <laughs> that inner strength to set your alarm clock. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> well, Nadia, I'd love to hear, you know, you you serve so many people in your work as a, as a pastor, you know, writer, speaker, comedian. What are some of the themes you're hearing from the community you serve right now? What are people wrestling with? You know, it, it, there's, so, there's just so much. <sighs> I think one of the things is that everybody is experiencing some form of grief right now. And it, it, and it keeps coming. And 
being in grief is so sort of disfiguring because the thing that you've lost, you don't ever get back. And the experience of losing it is almost new every day because it's one more day that that loss is still present. And so a, a singular loss can present itself in terms of grief in new ways every day. But what we're dealing with is new things to grieve every day. That that now it's that, oh my gosh, I was holding on to the hope that I could still go and fly across the country uh, when my grandchild is born in, in July and realizing now today a new grief is, okay, I don't get to do that. Or a new grief is my child, like for that one was just a made up example, but my 21 year old daughter, her whole world revolves around being able to work at the summer camp that she grew up in uh, going to now she's on staff and realizing she's probably not going to be able to get that. So there are these new things to grieve every day, things that are canceled, things that you won't get back. Grieving is a human thing because we, everybody loses people and loses things, but we get it at least fucking take turns generally. And now it, we're not, it's everyone. It's the whole planet. And so how do you deal with the exhaustion of that, the relentlessness of that, the, the it's every single day, it's not going away of that. That's what I think people more than anything are trying to manage in this moment. Yeah. It feels like a weight, doesn't it? Like, um, yeah, it's like a weight that can tend to feel heavier if you allow it to. For sure. Yeah. And you are someone, Nadia, who has worked with, people for your entire career who are experiencing grief of some form or another. And so, you know, with this collective grief that we're experiencing, what, a, what is someone, you know, what do you, what do you advise us? How do we handle it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've heard you uh, talk about Nadia, this idea as well, that like there's a kind of a fine line between anxiety and hope <laughs> right? Kind of like they're close neighbors, which I thought was really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. One of the ways that we ha need to learn how to do this moment is to figure out who can I just take turns with? Like I'm going to be the one who just can't keep it together today. And you can hold that. And because we both know it's going to be you tomorrow and so we are realizing how much we need each other because of the separation that we're experiencing right now. But I think we're trying, I, I think trying to figure out how do we just take turns being the one who can't deal with it is pretty critical. At least it's been critical for me. Yeah. So Nadia, your new podcast is called Confessional. And I'm curious why you started that new podcast and also why, why are confessionals so important for people? Mm. Well, I think it came from being in two different communities that, that sort of practice some form of confession, both the Lutheran church and Alcoholics Anonymous. So both of those communities have a sort of more formal process for that and realizing how needed it is and how cathartic it is. And also just sort of being really aware that these, these worst moments of our lives, you know, the times when we were at our worst, where we did something that hurt other people, or we said something horrible, or we did something we regretted, that those, 
those are these ghosts that just can haunt us our whole lives. And, and I, and I think that's okay. But I think, I think like telling the truth about that stuff and, and allowing it to sort of metabolize into our spiritual process as maturing humans is a natural thing. And yet I, there aren't a lot of mechanisms available for it. And so I just, um, and the other reason I did it is that I just have always wanted to feel less alone. And I, I feel less alone when somebody tells me something horrible about themselves. Like, I don't think that we are just the sum total of the worst thing we've done, as Brian Stevenson says. So that's why I opened up the confessional. Nadia, you write and talk a lot about shame and grief and compassion for ourselves. And a lot of the people I interact with have this feeling of hearing stories of all these great things that people are doing during this moment and a sense of almost like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not being a good enough parent. I'm not being a good enough employee. I'm not being a good enough teacher of my kids now that I'm locked at home with my kids. And, mm. and in a, in a, more subtle way, there's a lot of shame in that in my mind yeah, of definitely. like, I'm not being as good as I should be in this moment. Right. Um, can you give us a little perspective on that? Mm. Boy, only that like, I totally relate. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and also, I mean, grief takes up a lot of bandwidth. And I think just having compassion for ourselves and other people around that, because it really is a shared grief. Human beings were wired to take turns grieving. Like that's how the whole system is set up, you know? And like, we're not taking turns. We're all doing it now. And we're doing it in different ways. You know, those of us who've lost our ability to buy groceries are going to be grieving in a very different way than those of us who are missing our vacation to Cabo, you know? But, but, but it's all grief. And, and, and so if that is taking up so much of our bandwidth, and then we have Zoom calls we have to be on that are like required and we have to feed ourselves and our family. Boy, how much left, how much is left over, really? You know, I mean, for some of us, there's not a lot left over to learn a new fucking skill, <laughs> you know, to like master Spanish. I'm curious, as we're going through this collective grief, like where do we find the space to share it with others and not just put on our best face all the time. Cause I think that mm. it's weird to share this kind of stuff in a zoom call. Like, how do you find the space to really mm. share how hard this is with someone when you can't do it face to face? Yeah. I, I think just people allowing for a culture of turn taking is really important to, you know, to be like, look, I'm going to be a hot mess today. I'm going to totally melt down and maybe it's your turn Tuesday, you know, not like scheduling it, but just allowing for that. You know what I mean? That we just are going to have to take turns. And so you talk about grief and shame and these things being like a weight, right? And I feel that sometimes. So is that, I mean, one of the things I always kind of wondered about Christianity was, you know, I always would, I'd sit in church and I'd say like, wow, it's just like the premise is everyone's bad and everyone's guilty and everyone's a sinner. Yeah, right. Totally. But what you're saying is kind of the opposite or, or expressed in, in a different way, which is like, we all do things that give us shame and grief and regret and all this stuff. And it just weighs you down and it takes up so much space, but we need a way to lift that weight off ourselves, right? Well, that stuff is true. The stuff that weighs us down is true. 
but yeah. it's not the most true thing. Uh-huh. You know, like the most true thing is that we have a capacity, we have capacity for kindness, for beauty, for selflessness, for love, for passion, you know, that, I mean, I just see human beings as being very complex. Like on my wrist, I have tattooed in Latin, simul justicet peccator, which means simultaneously sinner and saint. Like mm-hmm. we're both things at the same time. I read a gorgeous passage from Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, that just came out a couple weeks ago. And I read it yesterday where she just has this beautiful description in that book about we're both, we're both and people, you know, and if we think that we're all good and we have nothing we struggle with or no lessons to learn, we're telling ourselves the wrong story. And if we think we're all bad and we're not worth anything and not worthy to be loved or to be listened to, we're also telling ourselves the wrong story. So I think a lot of it is like, just how do we be right sized? Yeah. And I think that, that idea of compassion right now is also something that I read and hear a lot about, you know, you hear about people reaching out and um, helping frontline workers in COVID-19. You hear about communities really focusing on supporting their own community. And I think, um, geez, I don't know if I have energy to be compassionate beyond my own core unit, you know, like where, where's my extra energy to be compassionate beyond that. But then I think you find when you do do that, when you do find that possibility, it, it can actually give you more energy than you expected when you'd be able to kind of extend that compassion out. It can fuel us. Yeah. I mean, it depends how, what kind of personality you have, because there are a lot of people for whom their sort of default broken thing is to meet every other person's need before theirs. So for them, a message of saying, Hey, it can be life giving and bring you energy and free you from your own shit. If you can be of service to others, that's not a life giving message. But there are people who are sort of really wrapped up in themselves and um, constantly thinking about how everything in their life is negatively impacting them and where man, the best thing they could do to reach for a little freedom in their life is to figure out how to be of service to another person. You know, Mm-hmm. Everyone's wired differently. So I was talking to a friend of mine who is a person of faith, like the other week, and he was saying that, you know, here's the challenge, like, we're going to come out of this crisis. And then we all think we're all oh, suddenly going to be happy, right? Like, oh, that'll bring me happiness. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, that's kind of false expectations, right? He's like, don't think you're going to find ultimate happiness and fulfillment in your spouse or in your life or me with my climbs or He's like, even in Christianity, like sometimes God feels distant and, you know, you're like, why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you there for me? And he said, so there's kind of this acceptance of discontent in life. Do you, I mean, that's, part of me was like, that's depressing, dude. And the other part of me thought that speaks to me hmm. that maybe that is okay. But yeah. I mean, it, maybe the challenge is like, where do you find centeredness? Uh, a, a type of serenity or peace within um, an imperfect life, within discontent, within people not meeting your expectations, because that stuff is unavoidable. Honestly, nobody's going to always meet your expectations. You're not going to always have the paycheck of your dreams. You're not going to always accomplish everything and have the body fat percentage you had when you were 19. And, you know, like all these crazy, like when all of this happens, you know, when I get that career, when I get that person to love me, when I get that body, 
then I will pull the lever and happiness will come my way if I get all of it in the right, you know, categories. And it's not how it works. I think a spiritual life is so much about acceptance. It's about acceptance and saying, like, there are so many things in the world that if I accepted them rather than fought them, I would have a lot more peace. Mm. You know, mm. it's, a, it's a hard it's a hard lesson. Yeah. Nadia, what do you think about the, the thread of conversation that you may hear in the media that says that we should treat this time as a gift to us? You know, that this is a unique opportunity to have uh, with our families or on our own, or, you know, the, the earth is finally getting a chance to breathe all these things that are like kind of turning something that feels pretty devastating into the gift idea. I think you got to reach for the both and, you know, the either or thinking is not helping us a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like both things can be true. Like the the grief people are experiencing, the suffering, the way in which this pandemic is re- is revealing what <laughs> has already existed, social inequality, a broken healthcare system, government corruption. I mean, it's not creating those things. It's just revealing those things. So I think you can tell the truth about that and about uh, how much fear we're living in, all that stuff. And say, like for myself, I have really loved sitting down and eating all my meals with my daughter and my boyfriend. You know, like uh, we usually don't do that. Uh, I've been cooking a little bit more. I've, there's been a way that the thing, this slowing down has made me cherish things about my home that I've never cherished. Like that both things can be true. You know, just like we can be simultaneously sinner and saint, this can be simultaneously horrible and devastating and uh, beautiful and unexpectedly joyful. Hmm. Well well said. Nadia, can you tell our listeners where they can find your podcast? Oh, you can find it anywhere. I mean, you can listen on my website. If you're not used to downloading podcasts, you can go to NadiaBoltzweber.com and just listen to it there. But, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it's available. It's available uh, everywhere. Excellent. And then also I have an online publication on Substack. So um, it's called The Corners and um, people can find me there as well. Excellent. Well, Nadia, it's been wonderful having you return to our show and give us some perspective on the things that we are wrestling with right now in our lives. I encourage all of our listeners to check out The Confessional. It's a just a wonderful listen and really insightful. So we appreciate your time, Nadia. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, you guys. I love what you're about. Thanks so much. Cool. <laughs> You know, like in college, I read a bunch of like Russian literature, like Dostoevsky, and they say the Brothers Karamazov. It's like everything you want to know in a book, everything you don't want to know about life, you read in this book. And well, there's a lot of good stuff in this interview, so it's hard to it's hard to carve it down. But I mean, I guess I'll just go back for me, Dave, to this idea of of uh, all this you know shame and guilt and grief that people I think are experiencing now, maybe exponentially. And uh, how do you clear it? I, I just think it's, it's, it's a really important thing that we all are, are in the process of, of doing right now. 
and and also this idea of discontent you know like hey it's okay to be accepting of imperfection on every side of life i kind of like that too because it takes the pressure off yeah and i felt that the most compelling part of the discussion for me personally was this idea that we are always living in this duality and we should think of these things less as either or and more as both and. And so is this time a gift to us? Sure, parts of it are. Is this time horrible and devastating? Yes, it is both of those things. And we have to accept that it is both of those things, just like we have to accept the goodness and the evil inside of each of us. I think that's a very powerful lesson to remember. Yeah. Way to go out with a deep subject, Dave. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find our show notes at nobearspodcast.com. If you are looking for some activities to do with your middle school student or you know a middle school student, we encourage you to check out No Barriers Bounce, which is an online learning experience that teaches students about resilience in these troubling times. Uh, you can find that at nobarriersusa.org. Thanks so much for listening. All right. Thanks, everyone. No barriers. The production team behind this podcast includes senior producer Pauline Schaefer, executive producer Diedrich Jonk, sound design, editing, and mixing by Tyler Kotman, graphics by Sam Davis, and marketing support by Megan Lee and Carly Sandsmark. Special thanks to the Dan Ryan Band for our intro song, Guidance. And thanks to all of you for listening. We know that you've got a lot of choices about how you can spend your time, and we appreciate you spending it with us. If you enjoy this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to it, share it, and give us a review. Show notes can be found at nobarrierspodcast.com. And soon they will be fighting.